Dr. Lori Marvis podcast, and today I'm very delighted to have Josh Lujani and his mom, Ramona. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Doing great. Great. And Josh, did I say that correctly, Lujani? Lujani, yeah. All right. Yeah. Very good. Um, even even Thibodeau, even people in Thibodeau get it wrong, so don't, just, just relax. It's okay. Okay, good. But this, like, Everybody more... says it wrong. It doesn't matter if you're from Louisiana or... You know, half the people in Chag Bay still say Lejuni, so <laughs> okay, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I've been called Marbus, Marbass. You, you know, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, geez. It's uh, all good. Oh, very good. Because the last thing you want to do is butcher your name at the onset. So. Oh, you did great. <laughs> I did one interview for an hour and a half with the one gentleman, and uh, he's like, oh, well, thank you, Julie. And I'm like, I'm not Julie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, we're going to edit that out. All right. So, um well, let's start with, let's talk about, you know, little Josh, Ramona, if you don't mind going first and tell me kind of, you know, how you know, growing up, was there a weight issue or what's your culture with eating at home? And just what do you think about that? Oh, wow. Uh, food was a huge part of our lives. Uh, as I was, when I was a child, it was, it was everything. It's what made us happy. It's what we went to when we were sad. It's what we did to celebrate. It's what we did to mourn. Uh, we had family reunions, and the food was just ridiculous. And, of course, I carried that over to uh, my children because it, it, it was, um, I was taught that it, it meant love. It's how you love somebody, how you show you love them. Yeah. If you want to make them happy, you, this is what you do. And so, uh, yeah, we had a very, very unhealthy relationship with food for a long, long time in our lives. And in, in, in my family. Wow. So. Did you see any effects with your parents or siblings with the food or obesity? Oh, absolutely. My mother was, was overweight. My, my father's overweight. My sister was overweight. Most of my mom's family was overweight. My dad's family, not so much. They, there was not as many overweight people on my dad's side, but my mom's side was very overweight. Wow. And did nobody ever mention the thought of food or... It was just, that was just the way it was. It was just a way of celebration. Yeah. But yeah. trying to lose weight was also a constant, persistent thing that was always a topic, too. Everybody was doing something different to try to, like, lose weight, but nobody really addressed. It was always, like, this aspirational thing. And, boy, it's so mystical if we could just figure it out. So, you know, drinking whatever, trying all of these fads to try to just superficially And, and it was weight. always about just losing the weight. It was never, never about the health aspect of it. Okay. Uh, so that they would do anything to lose weight, whether it was healthy or not. And uh, but, so that was just a little roller coaster we were on. Yeah. Cereal uh, dieters then, basically. Yeah, it was yeah. always, yeah, my, my mama used to always, she even though she was big and heavy most of my life, she went through, I saw her go through bouts of, uh, you know, extreme weight loss and then putting it all back on. And I witnessed that from, you know, the matriarch of our family in my earliest memories, you know. Wow. And now does that seem to be the whole area? Because I know I've traveled to Louisiana, and that's tough to eat healthy there, eating this way, at least for me in New Orleans when I visited. Um, Especially if you're in somebody's mama's kitchen. It's not so hard if you, like, seriously, because it's, it's not so hard if you, like, uh, out and about and on your own, you have no excuse. You go get something from the produce department, grab an apple, grab some broccoli, whatever. Like if you're in somebody's mom's kitchen and the 
like you that is really you could hurt somebody's feelings not like you're saying this thing that I've created after over all these years of all of these other humans who I've raised throughout the decades I've been feeding them all this way and now all of a sudden you're telling me that you know this this family dish this normal thing that we eat all the time is something that's actively like harming our bodies in a in a tangible way the outcomes are real the numbers are real the statistics are real mm-hmm. so yeah it, it's just i don't know it gets it gets it gets tricky yeah it gets a it does it gets emotional for sure mm-hmm. at least that's been my what did you think when josh started changing his diet how how did that dynamic work for you <laughs> I honestly thought he had lost his mind. Uh, He came to me and told me this stuff, and I said, are you kidding me? Uh, It wasn't the meat. It was the dairy. Uh, I was uh, an addict with dairy. I loved milk. I drank milk probably three or four times a day, and cheese. I loved cheese. And um, so I was like, I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to see how it goes for you, and so I just kind of observed for a little while. And, of course, everybody knows Josh and how persistent he can be and pushy. <laughs> and so he would blow my phone up constantly with, with little excerpts from articles showing me why I needed to do this. And, and, uh, and I was on vacation with some of my girlfriends. And I got a text from him, and I was like, oh, my gosh. So I read it, and it said, you know, we are the only species that drinks uh, milk from another species. And I started thinking about that. And I told my friends that I was with, I said, gosh, I never really thought about it that way. And then I really started chewing on it and thinking about it and reading the stuff he was sending me and getting less aggravated and listening more. And it started making a lot of sense to me. And so I began to give it a try. You know, and I think that was really, he did out of love for you, but it, it goes, oh, absolutely. You, you know, never giving up that message either. It's you're feeding your kids vegetables and they'll eventually like it. But I did this with a patient too once. It took me a year to convince her to change her diet. And the statement that finally did it was that they had done a recent study where meat was the equivalent of smoking cigarettes. And she hated yeah. smoking hated it and it just sent her over the edge she's like what <laughs> and she went vegan and came off for all sorts of meds and stuff it's just the craziest thing i've ever seen yeah yeah so it's amazing i mean i, mean, I it, it, you never know what it is going to be so i you know people who always tell me oh i i'm you know plant-based or vegan or whatever but i don't say anything because i don't want to offend anyone but well some of us need to be those people like josh <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, is not true. offending, but it is because you also don't want to come off like a like a smart ass or know it all. Excuse my French, like, and so it's tricky, you know. But I have done a lot of reading. I've done. I've, I've committed a lot of, uh, you know, think time to all of these things. That it's not willy nilly, you know. This isn't. This is something that I've I've really done. Um, I think responsibly, and I and I know why I'm doing these things. I think the science is pretty clear on it. And, um, you know, it just feels, it feels like the right thing to do. It, it's logical to me. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these things, it's just something. I, I think 
the reason Josh's uh, message resonates with everyone so much is because uh, not only is he a pushy person and preaches it so loud, but he lives it every day. You can follow him every second of every day, and he's living it all the time. Yeah. So, and I think people see that more than they actually hear what he says, or it gives substance to what he's saying by how he's living. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make me uh, the strongest or the fastest because I know plenty of dudes that are like animals, and I'm like, I'm just honored to see him for the first mile of a race sometimes maybe not even that long um but you know to to be able to create that like the that sort of stasis that i'm i'm at a certain fitness level where i can do like all of these things regardless of how fast i am against other people really mm -hmm. um just to be able to go and exert and do that is i don't know it's, it's just it's a different kind of happy you know? Right. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, so, yeah. and Ramona, you had also lost significant amount of weight. How much have uh, you lost? As of today, or this, uh, last time I weighed, I've lost 96 pounds. Wow. Um, that's from when I started Whole Food Plant Based. Now, I've, I was 50 pounds heavier at my heaviest weight, but I've, pay, I've played the yo-yo diet for all my life. I've gained, I mean, I've lost 80 to 100 pounds at least three or four times in my life. I went to the extreme of having the lap band surgery and, and lost maybe 70 and put it all back on. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm so thankful that Josh introduced me to this way of eating because I finally got it. You know, it's like I've been three, almost four years now uh, eating this way. Uh, I'm down 90, 94, 96 pounds. I have... And I'm 19 pounds away from my goal weight, which I have never been in my whole entire life. I'm almost down to where I was in high school right now, maybe about five pounds away. Wow. And so, yeah, it's pretty amazing. That, that is incredible. And it's fun. Josh, what is it like for you to see that you were an impetus for your mom to have such a life-changing experience? No, oh, well, I'm just, you know, a lot of moms, a lot of people's moms would never listen to that. Yeah. So I'm super thankful. But not only not listen, like they would put a screeching halt to that. <laughs> no, no, sir. Yeah, right, right. And I'm not. I'm. I'm yeah. very serious. I know some people. I'm oh. not going to call any yeah. names, but I know some mamas <laughs> like that. Good, I'm, and I love them. Yeah, no, you love them, but I grew up in uh, <laughs> that's right, rural New Mexico, and oh, we're very similar. I understand. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to me. So Ramona's. You've changed your diet, obviously, Josh. Who else in your immediate family is also converted to this type of diet? Her, um, her dad, my Bam Bam, who's my grandfather, like the patriarch of our whole familial unit, really. Um, who's like a big? He was a big dude my whole life. Six two, six three, three eighty, usually. Mm -hmm. Big giant guy. I wanted to be just like him, you know. But he, he's dropped probably, well, he went to the VA. We went to the doctor today. He weighed 161 this morning, down from 360 was his highest. Wow. When he was statins and um, all of the, all the blood pressure medication, he was using a hover round, you know. 
three, 360-ish pounds, high cholesterol. Wow. Yeah. So what's the aggregate of the all the pounds lost by your family, you think? Six, six or eight hundred-ish in that, um, you know, wow. in there, somewhere like that. So when you took your grandpa to the VA and the, and the doctor, he saw a doctor there today? Yes, yes, so ma'am. So what did the doctor say? Did, is he aware of this? <laughs> Just completely, he's like, honestly, to quote him, he said, whatever you're doing is working. He didn't I've ask. never seen He said, this man, he said, you looking lean. And I was like, you know, we, you know, the, the horses left the barn on the cognition stuff, on the dementia stuff, on the whatever stage of Alzheimer's he may technically be in, the, all of that stuff. That's not reversible, even with plants, some, you know. But but what it is, and I to talk to the doctor, I talked to Dr. Gregor at Health Fest one year, and, um, and he said, but, you know, a plant-based diet slows none of the none of the pharmaceuticals work better than just a really whole food plant-based diet with the, the lack of inflammation, all the different reasons, you know, the better cardiovascular health, the, all of the healthier endothelium, all of that. And it makes sense to me right. that you keep take care of the heart really well. And you have some residual organ effects, I think, <laughs> something like that, maybe. Well, you know? The, you know, it's the same thing. If you have, you know, artery disease to the heart, you're going to have artery disease to the brain. So yes. if anything, you're, the quality of the time left that we all have <laughs> is optimal now versus <laughs> continued decline. But I'm curious about what did the did, did doctor say, what are you doing? Teach me, show me anything? Uh, just kind of, he didn't, they know. They know. They don't necessarily know, I promise. Well, they, yeah. <laughs> These guys might. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure they know in Homa. You know, we've discussed it specifically before. Wow. But it just continues to be, even at his, at his heart doctor, it just continues to be like a novelty. Really? It just fascinates yeah. me. I, I just, I don't get it. It, it. it gets frustrating. Oh, but but you have to but there's nothing there's no more there's no easier way to turn off a Cajun person or, or somebody from South Louisiana than to be too you know too much of a know it all you know so you gotta kind of hint and drop some facts and let it let things kind of let the dust settle and maybe plant some seeds but it's super frustrating to see the outcomes and then the complete blindness to the to the inputs that are creating them you know right no it's 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 extremely frustrating as a physician to speak oh, to imagine. other colleagues they think i'm crazy but i'm like they'll send patients to me get off their diabetic meds and then they're like oh okay nothing changes from and it just blows my mind i, I someday i will maybe get over it when i'm dead but i don't know someday <laughs> i don't know it's a, uh, if you could just wake them up, you know, and when you call physicians out, some of them get very uh, defensive and angry and like, why? When you can be saving yeah. lives, why don't you listen? I mean, if you like, can't we just boil that question? Do you not believe this? Or do, I don't understand. Do you not, have you not read it? Did you read it? Right. Do you understand like in the balance, what the collection of all of the science pretty much leans to? Right. And logically so. Right. I mean, I, I, it confuses me where people say, well, I've believed a thing, you know, and so I believe but you know, results and facts have no, they care, they could care less about what you believe. Right. You know? 
and, and for me, it's beyond their personal belief. I don't care what you do with themselves. If the doctor wants to go ahead and continue to kill themselves, but they could save patients. So they're literally keeping life-saving information out of the hands of their patients. That's what gets me. And uh, yep. for me, that those are one of the impetus for me to start this podcast is to interview people like you guys who are willing to share your story and your frustrations with the medical establishment and the way things are being done because we're not yeah. getting better. And I'm hoping other people will hear this and tell their doctor, maybe some other doctors will hear this. Because, you know, I have colleagues who have changed and had some wonderful results, and it's been a blast to be a part of it. That's a very small minority of the majority of people I've spoken to. And um, But I, I love telling people, I was like, yeah, you should see my friend Josh. He's on the cover of Runner's World. He did this by a plan today, lost 230 pounds. You know, and so, and they just like, oh, I'm like, anyway. But, you know, that it's, it's, I understand the frustration and, um, to be thought of as someone outside of what the normal medical establishment does is kind of frustrating when I know what I'm doing is right. Um, yeah. So hopefully this will become the medical norm in medical education, I, I pray and hope. My daughter starts medical school next summer, so we'll see what happens there. So. Yeah, we, and we're, like, uniquely positioned, I think, even it's, like, specifically here in Thibodeau because we have this small university that pump, we pump out a lot of nurses from, from the the university in Thibodeau and yet and also on that campus there's a culinary institute that's that has that you know the buildings are literally across the street from each other on Nichols campus wow. you know so like it's so close and then we have this big beautiful wellness center that we like in in Thibodeau so you can see all of the dominoes like getting set up like right. you just it, you see promise and you try to like look at those silver linings and not get too irritated with the people riding the buggies at Walmart with the big slurpy cups. You know, Josh, if you ever, if you know someone there that would like me to come talk to them, I'd be happy to do that. Well, I, I would love, I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, that would be great. I would love to have people that are just down to earth like you, like, like Dr. Garth, like Michelle McCacken. I don't know if you know who Michelle McCacken is. I haven't is. met her, but I've seen some of her. I met her, and I met her when I went up to New York for the Runner's World thing. We had dinner, uh, her husband and I, and uh, amazing. Brilliant people. Really, really bright individuals. Fun, like, those fun, like, conversations that you feel like you're a better human after having. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but it feels good knowing people like, like, like yourself, like, like Michelle McCacken and Dr. Garth and all the other plant famous MDs out there mm -hmm. to, to, to know that they're on your team because everybody's, that's the everybody's go-to thing is, oh, well, my doctor told me to. Well, so what? Let's, yeah. let's maybe re, let's reassess what your doctor said. Mm -hmm. You know, right. here's some other stuff that maybe you should do that your doctor's probably not going to tell you to do, but you should probably check it out anyway. Right, exactly. And I think that's where we need to step up is that as patients taking control of your own health and your destiny. Correct. That's so important. As much as we love them and respect them, the doctors, a lot of them are just part of that institution that is part of that establishment. And those things, those things change from, I think, from the people up. I don't think they ever get self-corrected into the correct, like, place you know medicine's an interesting thing because doctors are very autonomous um that's kind of the culture is that you know back in the day you were went to medical school and you were the doctor and everyone listened to you as you were you know they bow down <laughs> um, yeah. a lot of respect but as the dynamics of medicine has changed 
and just the um, mm, it's even more administrative more burdens have hit doctors the uh, heavy you know just like Medicare and the population has changed and there's less primary care doctors the EMRs the electronic medical records so all those stresses have really put a lot of um, emphasis on physicians just seeing patients and churning them out churning them out churning them out uh, the right. companies and their money so the, a lot of that is I think keeps physicians from growing as a physician yes we are learning new uh, what new drugs out or what's the new side effect or what's the new twenty thousand dollar you know procedure or whatever but the unfortunate thing is we're forgetting how to actually learn to take care of our patient in a better way what is it that they actually need that can change their life and I think you become an, right exactly you become just more the, the i think and, I, and i'm not i don't i'm not knocking on anybody i respect all but it seems like it's more like a, a way to become a healthcare entrepreneur in a lot of ways than than like a than a healer mm -hmm. someone who's really heal focused right let's this a number one let and here's here's the here's the medium from which health grows nature's protocol eat plants and um, let's, and then anything that goes awry from there, let's We can dive it. deep in it, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah I think uh, yeah, nature's protocol is a great way to describe that for sure. But I, I honestly, doctors have one of the, between dentists and doctors, we have the highest suicide rate annually. There's 400 doctors. Wow, that's terrible. Uh, 400 doctors commit suicide annually, and so that's equivalent. I of did read an article about that, yeah. Yeah, I did. I remember reading an article a while, back, a while back about that. You know, it's disturbing because why is that? One, you know, you have so much pressures, but they really, you know, there's there's self governance issues. Um, there's a lot of pressures from licensing agencies that if you do go seek help, that you can potentially lose your license. There's um, so many issues with that. Oh, I know, it blows my mind. Um, so here you have someone who's taking care of, you know, really stressful. Things, <laughs> patients, right, yeah. uh, uh, you know, ER doctors, surgeons, whatever, whoever they are. Um, but then you're telling them, oh, you can't go seek help, or you might actually lose your way of living or sustaining your family. Um, and, and you know, then there's the drug use and alcoholism or whatever, because they're human. They have all those issues. They have their chronic disease, and so it's just this one thing piles up and after another, and it's just it's devastating. And then you have all these pressures. And we have horrible leadership, I think, personally. It's, we're not, we don't represent ourselves. We just go hide in our corner, take care of our patients, and go home. And so yeah. for me, what was really cool about this was um, it was a whole nother, like, prescription pad that wasn't a prescription pad. So it was like, wow, that is why I got into medicine is because every medical student wants uh -huh. to be a healer like you're talking about yeah, right yeah i think so i think everybody's starts off there so let's mm -hmm. let's nurture that nugget that got you there but yep. it's been bastardized in a lot of ways and like it exploited it it has and i think that's you know that's been really the fun part about this for me it's like everybody gets better doing this and there's zero side effects and that's been really really fun and so yeah. i it, i tell people it's veggie crack for me it's 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 amazing it's it's a blast i love it um so but that's the same thing for individuals like you you sharing with your mom sharing with the world you see people get better it's it's highly addictive so yeah it feels good it feels right so like you just kind of stay in that vein that yeah. that feels like the right thing to do 
perfect. That's amazing. Okay, so now you, what, tell us just a little bit about your story, Josh, of like what was the final point and said, you know, I'm done, I've got to do something. Yeah, there, I, I mean, um, you know, at that time I was going, I was about to graduate uh, from Nichols and I knew that I had been seeing everybody else walk around campus in like business suits and really dressed, you know, business professional. And I was like, man, and I knew in a couple semesters I had to do that myself. That was going to be to wrap everything up. And I just, I was extremely overweight, could, couldn't really fit in desks, couldn't get it because they had those big auditorium rooms where the de- the chair kind of swings out from a, sixth, a fixed pivot under the uh, huge long table. And I could just barely get one butt cheek in it, you know. And so... I was I was just embarrassed of myself and I so I wanted to look I wanted to by the time I had to wear my suit to school I wanted to drop some some pounds I knew I had from about February to about November and so along with my last couple semesters of school me and my friend just started just started working out and it started there and I think that simultaneous effort of doing that and actually learning how to learn through school, forget about the specific degree, but just learning how to learn stuff and apply facts to new to situations, case study it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, and uh, those two things coupled together start and just led me down a path that ultimately led to me, you know, eating the way I eat and running the way I do and being as open as I can be about, about it all. Mm-hmm. So how did you stumble across the plant-based diet? in a running book and um, learning, I was reading Born to Run and I learned of Scott Jurek in Born to Run. That was the first ultra marathoner that I'd ever heard of. I didn't didn't know that was a thing, you know? And I read read about Badwater and Leadville and Western States and I was like, holy cow, people do this? This is crazy. Right. You know, I was listening to a podcast with Dean Carnassus, and he said the same thing when he first came across me. Like, people run 100 miles? I don't even like to drive 100 miles. Crazy. And so we know you now. So you started your first races when? When did you start the running? Was that pretty quick at the time that you decided to start working out? Yeah, it was about about a year into it or so. But so started in February 2011, and then by April 2012, I, I was running the, uh, my first race, the 10K. It was the Crescent City Classic in New Orleans. Okay. And is that- I was still about 320 or so. You were two what? 320 or so. 320, okay. And as far as the diet, when did you start changing your diet? Um, that would have been another year after that. Uh, it was almost a year after that. Um, so 2013, early 2013. Like within a three month period, within probably a month period, I would say, uh, I read Scott Jurek's book, Rich Roll's book, Brendan Brazier's book, watched Forks Over Knives, learned about Rip Esselstyn and Engine Two and Doctor Esselstyn, and like it was just just a just an avalanche, you know. And so by April, I was fully. Uh, plant-based still learning still eating a lot of veggie burgers and too much caloric density and stuff like that mm-hmm. um but i was fully plant-based by by uh, the end of april for sure wow 
So now your total weight loss has been 200. Yeah, so I'm about, uh, right now I'm about 190 even. So, so down from, uh, say, just say four, 410. So that'd be what, 220 ish. Wow. Okay. Something like that. Very good. And so then tell us about the Runner's World cover and all that. So, how did that all start? Yeah, that was cool. That was just a, I just, you know, threw my name in the hat. Uh, I, you know, a couple of people on social media had tagged me in it, I think. And so I just went ahead. I was like, all right. And threw my name in the hat. And next, like, I would have never thought they'd actually put me on, you know, the cover because I am so open about, like, I hate you know, like how ridiculous it is to consume dairy and it's like you know but those that those a lot of uh, there's i'm sure there's a lot of potential advertising in those areas you know <laughs> so I, at, at the beginning i was like they're probably not gonna ever put somebody who's gonna constantly basically slap the dairy industry in the face every time he posts a food pic or something <laughs> um but they were actually very little. They were not concerned with all of that at all. They were. I learned about their connection with um, with Rodale Publishing, and then and who Miss the grandfather was was and in organic uh, organic gardening and all of that stuff with the the Rodale Institute. Like so, it was like this weird thing. Like it's like oh, almost feel like it was all okay, it kind of all makes sense a little bit. It all kind of, like, it goes together better than I thought maybe it would. And, yeah. you know, boom, I'm standing in New York City in a building on Columbus Circle in a bow tie <laughs> with, like, like and Bart Yasso's over there and, uh, you know, um, uh, Dina Castor's standing over here on this side and, like, like all of these people just, you know, it's just it was just really you know surreal because I started running and even worse I was like I feel sorry for a lot of my really fast friends because they've been running sub 40 minute 10ks their whole life nobody ever gave a damn you know yeah, and here I am all I had to do was lose 200 pounds first and now a mediocre 10k time is like makes it it's a big deal you know it's so <laughs> it's not about the speed though it's about your incredible persistence and will and your tenacity and just love for others and helping people change. I mean, that is why you're on the cover of Runner's World is because of well, you. That's, not yeah, that's not cool. you're running, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So tell me your favorite thing that happened while you were in New York. Um, boy, that's Hard to narrow down. It seemed like it was another favorite thing every five minutes. Um, but I'd say back on our first trip up there, of all the moments, there was another contestant, Mr. Jim. He was from Houston. And Mr. Jim missed the group run, okay, that Bart Yasso was was in charge. He was, like, heading, meeting us all in the lobby. And, but Mr. Jim's watch was an hour off. So when we were getting back to the lobby, he was like just fresh and getting down to the lobby, you know, and he's, Mr. Jim's like 80, 82. Okay. And, um, 
And so I looked at, I was like, hell, I'll run with you again, you know, because Bart was like, oh, man. He's like, oh, I thought y'all started at six. He's like, yeah, we did start at six. And But he had his watch was wrong and all kind of stuff. So when I told him I'd run outside with him, Bart Gasso caught up with us. And he was like, hell, I'm going to run with y'all, too. And we all, the three of us went run through the um, through Central Park together and just kind of, if you ever get to run with, like, those those salty old veterans, it's fun. It's fun. It doesn't take many miles to get an earful of oh, good stuff. Let me tell you, as a <laughs> as a physician and a vet myself, um, you get you walk into a room and you see a gentleman stand up. You know they were military trained, and yeah. um, the moment they know you're a vet, they're like, "Yes, ma'am. What was your major? You're a major. Okay, major doc." <laughs> and then you hear all the stories, and those are the most delightful patients. I just adore them. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I totally get it. Oh, well, what fun, though. That opportunity allowed you to connect with not only Jim, Mr. Jim, and but also Bart Yasso on a much more personal level, too. That's great. Yeah, it was, it was fun. That's, that was, it was, you know, it, it was just, it was spontaneous. It was just like, oh, hell, yeah. What's another, what's another, what's another three or four more miles? Let's go. Let's go. And uh, that, that was fun to be just a threesome. And I'm like, you know, still wet behind the ears and swapping 50 mile stories. And like, if Bart Yasso was telling me, he, oh, yeah, I was trying to get under the six hours. So I was like, whoa, wait a while. I was, for, I was, 20, for a 50 mile? For a 50 miler. And I was like, wow. I was like, he was like, yeah, but the last five would just, they just killed me. I was like, dude, you get like 610 or something like that in a 50 mile race. Wow. Okay. And I was like, all proud to get in under ten hours so on a kind of flat one, you know. <laughs> that is amazing. So Ramona, I gotta see as a mom because I have three kiddos myself. So you're you're seeing Josh grow up, and you have this family traditions and the food, and then this change happens, and now this trajectory, his life has gone in a whole other direction. What is what are you thinking this whole time? Like, what is are you? I mean, beyond just being proud, beyond <laughs> what I can even imagine. What are you thinking? What is what is your favorite part about all this? My favorite part is um, seeing the the journey that he's he's went down the path he's went down. He is he is uh, very determined, very dedicated, very passionate about uh, everything he's he does. Everything, whether it was good, bad, or whatever. And um, so to see him be recognized for all his hard work is amazing. Uh, and not only that, it's just that um, the way it has touched my family, my daughter, my son-in-law, my grandbaby, my other son, Dustin, uh, his wife, BJ, his mother-in-law, my dad, um, it's almost like, a fairy tale when you sit and think about it about but it took uh, a lot of real world like pestering and being genuinely it, aggravated and thinking I'm in your business and did. getting generally uncomfortable because it was worth getting uncomfortable over sometimes damn it this is <laughs> come on let's just let's be serious we we did have a lot really. of heated d discussions and a lot of disagreements and uh and and I've told I've told him and my daughter. My daughter was very pushy about me getting up and going 
exercise every morning yeah, before he even right. introduced all this to me. And, you got to move, and, too. Uh, I, told, I told both of them, I told my daughter just the other day, and I told him uh, via text the other day, that I'm so thankful that they are so pushy. Because it wouldn't, if it wouldn't be for them pushing me, I would nowhere near be where I am right now. And uh, uh, I'm just very thankful for that drive and determination and how what he's done has kind of spread out into my family. And hopefully uh, it'll go even further than my immediate family uh, because we have a lot of fixing the food we need to do in my family and in our community. Yeah, that's a definite. So, Josh, what did you find the most frustrating point? Like, what obstacle in changing, helping your family change or friends or whatever, what was that most frustrating moment? And then how did you overcome it? Or what did you find to be helpful that maybe you could help other people who are in the same position who are trying to spread this information that could be life-changing? The thing I'm still trying to do that I think is probably the most important thing to be able to, to do in this whole thing when is whether somebody's going to do it or not. You have to, it's kind of like when you play blackjack and you always hit or stay on 16. You pick one. You do, but you do it all the time. And so the default, if you got it, there's one one thing that has to be constant in every, like, uh, transaction, you know, um, is love, Then, which sounds hokey and weird, but it's, that's just the truth. So whether you're going to, I don't give it. If you want to eat a, you know, only bacon for the rest of your days, I love you anyway. That's cool. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna unfriend you because you eat only bacon. You're 100% bacon-based runner. I still love you, <laughs> right? It's super irritating in some in some contexts. It's super irritating, but in general, I know you kind of joshing around about it and joking about it and it's, you're not really a 100% bacon based runner you know <laughs> but uh you know you just got to pick to not try to to try to not draw too many lines in the sand um, it it gets you can you can you can get a lot of a lot of those and right. it, it's easier to just kind of use love in every every transaction try to remember that but sometimes love means getting uncomfortable and saying something that needs to be said even if they're going to call you a prick (laughs) (laughs) but you can't you can't do you but you cannot go bossing or saying something if you're you better damn well be doing it yourself absolutely all every day and so if you if you just started doing this yesterday, and I can't believe I can't get nobody else to do it, it's not your turn to get anybody else to do it, but you. Right. You get you to do it until you, it's obvious that you know what you're doing and you've committed to it and you're doing the thing. Right. It's, you don't need to spell it out. It's be very blatantly obvious. Right. I mean, I don't know if you know the story of how I came to a plant-based diet. But no, ma'am. <laughs> my poor family. God bless them. So I had a patient who came in about five years ago with almost 300 pounds, um, all sorts of issues. But she happened to mention she's young, 37, and uh, that meat and dairy upset her stomach. I said, well, stop eating meat and dairy. It seems like a Boom. logical conclusion, Get rid of it. right? It's I, not like a needed thing. <laughs> well, Let's go. 
exactly. And but I wasn't plant based yet, so I. It, but I didn't even dawn yeah. on oh. me that that left her plants. That that was it. So she came back in thirty days and was feeling better, which I would expect if someone was eating something that upset their stomach. But what was really cool is her sixteen-year-old daughter, basically went on this diet with her, which was plants, because we lived in Rifle, Colorado, or I worked in Rifle, Colorado, so it's named Rifle. You understand? Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like where you live, okay? <laughs> Western Colorado yes. is like southeastern <laughs> Louisiana. All right. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, there's a, there's a restaurant there called Shooters where the, the waitresses actually wear guns. Okay, so this is the kind so, of... Oh, yeah. So you see what I'm dealing with. So they had to cook at home. They had to go buy the groceries. There was no place for them to actually go and, and eat. But her daughter, when she came to the appointment with her mom, had pulled herself off two attention deficit disorder meds in 30 days. At six awesome. Days. Yeah, people uh, yeah. are like, yeah. I yeah. was like bizarre for me. I was like, what just happened? And so I started thinking and I started researching this plant-based diet. And I was amazed at how much I didn't know. Um, the research, and so a couple weeks later, I was still trying to figure out how I was going to do this and work with patients. I had a lupus patient come in, 40 years old, 12 different meds, 50 pounds overweight or so, migraines every day. wasn't sure she was going to continue to be able to work. And I said, you know, um, you're telling me about these migraines, but I don't think I can, I don't think changing your medicine is going to make anything better. But why don't you change what's in the end of your fork? I said, I don't know a whole lot. I've just been reading about this, and I told her about my other patient because my patient yeah. said I could. Um, and she said, I'll try anything. So that day we measured her inflammatory markers and they were three times high normal. I said, you have to come back in 14 days because I can't wait 30 days because this is really amazing. 14 yeah. days later, her CRP or her inflammatory markers were just outside normal. Now remember, she's on prednisone and high doses of high doses and also methotrexate, which is a chemo drug because of the lupus is an autoimmune disease. She had lost eight pounds and her migraines are better. Five months later, 50 pounds lighter. Off of seven to twelve meds, she eventually reversed the lupus. I mean, she has other, you know, times that sometimes something looked flare, but the whole, in my mind, saying that all we changed was what she was eating, did this in a short, such a short period of time. I went home <laughs> to three teenagers, thirteen, sixteen, and eighteen. Oh. My, my God, bless my husband. And so we're going on a plant-based diet today, right now. So I took a garbage bag and threw everything out. Yeah, except for the quarter grass-fed beef in my freezer in the garage because it cost 400 bucks. And I was like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> I was like, give it to the animal shelter or something. But two days later, that freezer broke and all that meat had to be disposed of. <clears throat> and that's how it all started. Ever since then, there's that day. That's in, there was some undulating with my family. You know, we never had any animal products back in the home. Um, but my, you know... It has been an amazing experience. So two of my three kids are completely on board, and my husband. But there's one left. I'm working on that one. Working on her. <laughs> but that's yeah, I just happened. thought about something when you was talking about freezer. We hadn't had deer meat or fish in our freezer in like what two years, three years now. That's mm -hmm. that's sacrilege to a lot of Cajun folks. Oh, geez, are you kidding? I grew up eating. So my we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So we always had a vegetable garden. We had a lot of beans, a lot of potatoes. But they always slaughtered one pig every year and it was in the freezer took it and they butchered it and they you know that was just i totally get it i that's the way we were we always had something because that's what yeah. we always did so um yeah it's an amazing experience to have all that change but for me it's just like you were talking about it's basically being authentic right with yourself and others because how can uh -huh. i say do this if i'm doing just the opposite yeah who's going to listen to me especially as a physician i mean i, I would think i would lose all it's like that, 
that do as I say, not as I do thing is it, I think generation after generation of parents have proved that that does not work. You are exactly right because you cannot raise a child in in that capacity and expect them to be the child that you would want them to be. I mean, it's like a garden. You know, I tell people kids are like gardens. There, you have to tend to them. You have to give them rich soil so they will grow and flourish and sunshine. But you know, every once in a while, you gotta pull the weeds, and that's okay. And you are the gardener, not the little seedlings. You have to be in control and and live the life you want them to live. And that's exactly 100% right. So. Um, and I think doctors are the same way. We're not parents, but we're leaders for someone's health. You have to live the life that you You're healthcare professionals, like you made it to the NFL making people better, right? You professional make people better people. That's what y'all do for a living. Right. And so the fact that there's like this real, like proven in the epic study, some really brilliant minds like, like Colin Campbell and, and, and McDougal, like it's just real simple. Let's start this as a base. You still want, like, even in, like, hospitals, you still want meat on your meal, but let's make the patient request meat on their meal because the science says, as a default, you should have this bed of greens, some grains, a few beans, maybe a piece of fruit and some water, and you're on that until further notice, <laughs> as long as you're in our care, right? Right, absolutely. Because so- we're, be- we're to get better place. Mm-hmm. That's what you came here to do. Right. And it's absurd to me that you're getting fried chicken and steak and grilled cheeses and milk and ice cream and, like, stuff at the CCU. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. No, I, I've i ordered a cardiac diet, and it comes back with eggs and bacon. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Well, no carbs, right? Like, huh? Right. Right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just blows my mind. And people are boggled by why we have an o- obesity epidemic. Yes, there's many factors, but let's look at the food system. I mean, it, uh, there's so much. I mean, the, the cheap food, the bad food is cheaper because we're investing in it. Or our government's investing in it. Yeah, that's exactly right. You need to de-earl buttsify the whole agribusiness entity, the whole relook at all of the, the farm bill stuff. I don't know. Have you ever read the uh, um, Organic Manifesto? by Maria Rodell, the uh, lady that, the, the CEO of Rodell. I haven't. What is it about? It's just about, I was never really an organic, like, I didn't give it a whole lot of extra thought. Right. Because I always figured, oh, it's a way for a supermarket to upsell produce, essentially. And it, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter a whole lot. But um, it, it, it's just pretty it's just pretty interesting and you can see how all of you know all the other there's a bunch of other tangential connections with what's wrong with us as you know a biomass of Americans kind of um, that's not just about food chemically and you know just the the tangential stuff related to like debt and people being kind of in quasi-poverty because you have this massive debt on your head with the farmers. And, the, and so you you have this system that's locked mm-hmm. in. And to change it is is difficult. But the, you have to start somewhere and, and being part of the problem, being part of the solution for your own life and for the people that you care about the most and the people that you run with the most and the people that you see the most and hang out with the most and want to see live a good, healthy, healthy life the most. Um, they need, they need to see you do what they need, you know, 
you saying this thing, but what are you doing? Right. And so I tried to, I tried, my, my memo had a thing on the, on the wall at the office that said, uh, um, actions speak louder than words. So sit down and shut up was, well, that's kind of my sitting down and shutting up is trying to just, uh, doing things that I think other people ought to do, you know, right. um, and eat plants and run more seriously. I don't. You know, we're supposed to be creaky and achy every now and then and recovering from something. That's that's what this body's meant to do is work, do some stuff. Right, exactly. That's, yeah. that's 100% true. I mean, Josh, it's so refreshing to see people just so in love with the truth and that they're willing to, to live it and share it with everyone regardless of what their thoughts are or say or anything. I think that's... Oh, yeah. Yeah, amazing. it's tricky. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not... It's tricky. And you get caught contradicting yourself from time to time, and you know, so it, 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 it's not, uh, and it's not, whatever. But it, the the thing, the thing I can do is just is just try to um, be as honest as possible and be me. <laughs> you right, know? exactly. It, yeah. it is. It's it's funny. I and because you and you will have people uh, do as many things as possible to mess you up. Even people that they they say they're your friends. I I had a. I have a couple that we're friends with that our boys grew up together playing baseball and cross country and all that stuff. And, um, I'm going to use his name. His name is Scott and he knows I <laughs> wait till you hear this story. So Scott owns their own trucking company in rifle, Colorado. And I always harass him about, you got to eat a plant-based diet. You're going to die of a heart attack. You're a truck driver. You're not eating healthy. Yeah. And we always ended every conversation with, Scott, you're going to have a heart attack, you know, that type of thing. So that's the type of conversation. Always good fun, harassing each other. Well, there was uh, they were raising money for the football team, and so they had donated, I think it was a quarter or half a, uh, a cow or beef or whatever they call it, um, for a fundraiser. So they were selling raffle tickets. So Scott thought it would be funny to put my name on a raffle ticket. And, say, and he, when he told me, he goes, wouldn't that be funny that the vegan doctor won – a half a beef, or a beef I was like, <sighs> what do you, how is this considered friends? <laughs> Luckily, I did not win because for me, it'd be like, how am I going to explain this to people who don't know this conversation, who don't know this relationship that I just signed up for half a beef? I mean, it's a small town. I'm sure eventually the word would get out, but that's still, you never know. <laughs> so, yeah, I totally understand the harassment and the comments and you know, people hiding their food when I walk in because I've been called the food Nazi. And yeah, I we had uh, drug reps would come and bring us these pizzas and stuff. And, you know, just they're just talking about their product. They're they're doing their job. And I'd always go listen to them. And then I would harass them about how I'm not going to use their new diabetic med until I put someone on a plant based diet. And I said, oh, by the way, please quit bringing us this junk food. <laughs> and so it's funny because whenever we'd get a new sales rep, you could always tell if they hadn't talked to me because there was still the pizza. But everyone else brings us salads and soups, and there's always a vegetarian option. So um, you're right. You have to live the message. You have to be a vocal. You have to be part of the change because, honestly, that system that you were describing, I think we have to be the reason that companies change. This is a money thing. When we demand it, it will fall. That's exactly right. That's people, and we're blind to the fact that, you know, collectively, we swing the hammer. Right. You know? Oh, absolutely. We vote for it with our dollars, and I think uh -huh. that's the only way things are going to change. And, it, you know, there's tipping points in society. So if we hit that 15 to 18% mark where yeah. we're demanding the oh. change, it should fall. And uh, I'm, I'm hopeful and praying that I'll see that in my lifetime. Um, oh, yeah. 
I mean, it's, we... it's, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just logical that it will. I, I have more, I have more uh, respect for humanity than to think that it wouldn't. I, I think that I think it'll just grow exponentially, and will people in twenty five years will probably even less look back and go, "God, remember when we used to like eat." Like turkeys with lattice work of bacon around it. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Like gravy on our potatoes with butter in it. Like, <laughs> you know. Right, absolutely, and uh, yeah, to see how holidays changed. Well, that's a perfect segue into what you guys do for Thanksgiving. How? What were your favorite recipes? Did you guys make, or did you? What did you eat? We had a side of beef. <laughs> 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 and a right turkey now. wrapped in bacon. <laughs> You're killing me. No, mama made mama made some mama made some dressing. Um, I'm with, I'm redneck, and so cornbread dressing is a must for oh, yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I finally That's the Mississippi. Perfected. Yeah. Of course, my mom when my mom made it, it had a, like a dozen raw eggs, and it had boiled eggs, and it had chicken fat and butter and. But I finally perfected the recipe of the cornbread dressing so we could have it for Thanksgiving. So. Can you share that recipe and I'll put it on here for you? Well, I, I'm working on, I'm actually trying to work on a, a few recipes because okay. I'm trying to maybe put some in a book or something. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah. And so when I get it perfected, I will definitely send one to you and let you uh, look at it. Fantastic. I'm all about but, it. So what other things did you make besides delicious cornbread dressing? Uh, we had, well, I made a, a, a creamy pasta, mushroom uh, pasta with uh, using the cashew cream, okay. which is, I only use that twice a year, and that's Christmas and Thanksgiving, because uh, it's really fat. It's a lot of fat, but it makes stuff really good. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> uh, we had, uh, I made my own mushroom soup so my daughter could make the green bean casserole. The green bean casserole was the best one yet since we've been doing that, uh, yeah. So the mushroom soup I made using the uh, the cashew cream with mushrooms and stuff that was delicious. Okay. And then uh, we had uh, my uh, my son, my middle son, Josh's younger brother, is an awesome cook. And uh, he said just the other day, he said anybody can make something taste good. They throw butter and bacon. <laughs> it's almost like a hack. It's like. A <laughs> It's like a desirability hack. I did it a bunch of times. Just throw another stick of butter on there, bro. It'll be fire. If you want to be a true artist, cook plant-based. So, but he makes, uh, he makes a veggie jambalaya that's really, really good, and that's we always have that. And he added um, mashed potatoes with the onion and mushroom gravy, mm. which was out of this world. Wow. And, um, and... I think that's about all we had. We had a lot of stuff. Yeah, so. and I just brought, I brought like oh, the some. quinoa, the spicy I brought quinoa. some quinoa, and then I did in some, uh, just like a spoonful of peanut butter sandwich between like Turkish apricots. You ever had those, they're just dried apricots? Oh, yes. And that was our So good. You so it's just like a spoon of peanut butter between two of those, and uh -huh. I just made a bunch of those, like little bites. You know, it's like peanut butter and jelly almost. It's really. Some of it, he put like the powder yeah. to make okay. it chocolatey. Uh -huh. It was very, very good. I'll tell you, I use a, so I was, I don't know, it was like two years ago, I was just craving, have you ever had those chocolate turtles? Like the carrot? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So I don't know what it was. I thought I was pregnant or something, but I was not. Um, 
was <laughs> I took these dates and I took half the date and I put a pecan half on it and then I took the darkest chocolate. It's just the dark chocolate and drizzled yep. on it. Put it in the freezer. Mm-hmm. That is delicious. It tastes like a turtle. It's very. Yeah, I've done that before. So good. Oh, I'm yeah. a master at trying to fix things where I can, if I get a craving, I make it plant-based. Dates, yeah. They, you can't <laughs> sit around and eat dates all day. No, no. That's, what, that's the people. I did that for, I was like, every time I walked in the store, I'd get a whole box of dates, and I'm eating eating dates, and, you know. You still have these to These are good, it. boy. 100% plant-based, baby. You still have to thousand calories of dates. Yeah. It's still a cheat, but it's. Yeah. It is delicious, though. Yeah, the dried fruit you got to be careful of. So, what will be yep. Christmas dinner? Kind of a similar type menu? Yeah, probably just similar. Similar, and there's a recipe that I want to perfect a little bit. It's a Ruth Chris uh, um, sweet potato casserole recipe. Okay. And I said, I can do that, but I'm going to use date paste instead. Oh. And uh, I want to see how it works. That where the pecan crust is on the top. Okay. And you kind of bake it, and so we're going to we're going to do that a little different. But yeah, we're going to have the same cornbread dressing and green bean casserole, and more of that mushroom gravy that Dustin made because it was so good. Wow! Now, can you share that recipe, the mushroom gravy? Um, I'll have to. I'll have to. I've told him that I want his recipe for the veggie jambalaya and that, or the veggie jambalaya, one of those two. That so we can have yeah. it. that alone. See, people will download the podcast just for those recipes. We just kind of open the cabinets and throw stuff in. That's how, so it's, it's so really hard. Because I'm just like standing there going, just throw stuff and then boom, I'm done. It's been, I have, I have created, well, I have written down three recipes and it's been really hard. I've had to cook it like three or four times because I don't measure things. Mm. And so I'm having to learn to measure so I can write the recipes down so I can share with people. And so it's really difficult, but we're, we're working on it. You know, you're this. And this, this is part of my balance. Cause all, honestly, all of this attention that we pay to food is like a wee bit irritating sometimes. Cause we get so recipe centric and so cookbook centric and we like need all these. Oh yeah, but you ever had try? And I get it, but it's like that in and of itself, regardless of whether it's plant-based or not, can still be a problem of the having food on a pedestal, period. Because mm-hmm. you can still achieve caloric density in a way that will make you obese and still be plant-based, mm-hmm. you know. And even avoid, you don't even have to have oil and added sugar, you know. Oh, yeah. You still do it. You oh, yeah. still do it. It's really, I, we really, so, on a day-to-day basis, try to make things as simple. I mean, yeah. I keep, uh, I have an Instapot and I put potatoes almost every other day. And it keep those in my refrigerator. Yeah. And um, but I mean, but you know, Thanksgiving and it's Christmas and and you know, uh, you gotta achieve some balance. You hate to be a complete like killjoy in every situation. And I, I take, you know, whose lead I take on that? Like, cause I've seen Dr. Esselstyn in like with his his um, his family, right? And so I know that there's some things on the table so it, like that he's kind of turns a blind eye to because he doesn't particularly agree. Right. But we addressing this with love and a little bit of compassion and balance right. instead of completely 100% compliant on every morsel on the table. Right. So although ultimately I would love to see 100% compliance, um, uh, sometimes that's just not feasible if you want to like have – Harmony. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, twice a year is, is okay. 
you know, because yeah. those, those are times that you can indulge and be okay. And so, yeah, sure. And, uh, yeah, but I'd love to, you know, for me, when I'm, because I have transitioned so many people, because that was like a daily conversation. Like, people come in to see me. I would just sit in my office, and people are showing up. I was like, oh, look, another person. I can talk about the plant-based diet. It was like <laughs> always an opportunity. There's always something that they can improve. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're about 80 to 100 patients a week, and that's that's a lot of conversations. And so what was the one thing they always said was, so how do I do this when I've been cooking like this for, you know, 40, 50, 60 years. And my oldest patient who did this was 89. And, um, but the recipes I think are just a easy start that guidelines. That's why I always like to hear sure. from other people like your mom, who sounds like I would love to be in her kitchen and learn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, those are the cool things that those little things that I can learn, like a friend of mine who does plant-based cooking, he's a, a chef from Austria and he's like, Lori, if you're not cooking with oils and fat like that, you need to add 15% more spices. I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, I don't know this stuff. And, uh, I mean, it made a big difference when I started cooking as I'm thinking, it's okay, Lori, just add a little bit more. And it really actually made a big difference. And so he doesn't use, you know, he doesn't measure thing, anything either. So I, I determined that you're a professional cook when you don't use anything in measure stuff and you just throw stuff in and or kunas either professional oh, cook or kunas <laughs> because that says that dr kunas <laughs> yeah you know it's funny because i went to new orleans for my cousin's wedding and so what do you guys do where do you guys eat out in louisiana or do you that's healthy well you know so you usually the default is usually hit sushi shots sushi restaurants or go to okay. you try to go i go like if it's just I, I like to try to go to, to sushi restaurants or uh, or go to, like, Mediterranean restaurants or Mexican restaurants, can, and you can get veggie. It's easier to get entire portions of veggie, and they kind of understand what you mean. Right. You know, if you go if you go to, like, I don't know, I don't, I hate to call a name, but, like, a more typically American restaurant or typical New Orleans classic new orleans restaurant right and say you want a, a, a plant-based whatever it just wouldn't go over as easy so sometimes you find yourself in those predicaments where you add those particular types of restaurants and you just got to go with a default of a potato and a salad with mm -hmm. hey do y'all have some salsa i would like a side of salsa mm -hmm. thank you and that's it that's my meal yeah it's not my favorite but it's doable it works i'm happy with it yeah. Maybe I got BJ to sneak in a little bit of nutritional yeast. If, if <laughs> uh, she has taken, she has taken like those little spice, the little bitty spice bottles. Oh. I'll put nutritional yeast in them, and it's you know tiny. And I get her to carry it in the restaurant in her purse for me, so I can just take it out. And just it's just like one shot. Put it on Do my meal. My salad. <laughs> I make my own salad dressing, and I try to stick a little bit in my purse when I go. If I know I'm gonna have a salad. Oh, what's your favorite homemade salad dressing? I use like the spicy brown mustard, okay, and I uh, and I put sriracha and tamari and a little bit of honey, and then I thin it out with water and I keep it in a little jar. That's one of my favorite dressings that I use. Okay, oh, and I add a newt to it for sure. Newt. So, <laughs> what is I gotta I gotta know because I've seen so many of your Facebook comments and posts. It's always about newt. Like, where did the newt word come from? Just it's because it's phonetic and like nutrition, so nooch. 
it's like short. It's like the first, first kind of syllable, like the first nutritional yeast. Okay. Yeah. Short for it. My wife is BJ, uh-huh. and so we we call her B, just like kind of like a you know, it's kind of a very similar thing going on there. It's just nutritional yeast is a dumb name anyway. I don't even like saying it. It's a mouthful and it sounds gross. And then everybody goes and be like, what? (laughs) No. And it's just like, it's such a turnoff, you know? (laughs) Like, so I think some weird, it's like a nutritional yeast. Did you say it's much better? (laughs) You put yeast on your food. (laughs) Awesome. That sounds good. But nutri reminds me of, I don't know. It does. It has a weird. It has. It's. But it's. I, it's. It's. It's one syllable, and it sounds better than nutritional yeast. That's gross <laughs> to me. So you should totally start a, a nutritional yeast company and make your own nooch. I think that would that's, be fantastic. That's a damn good idea. <laughs> oh, and I just get one percent for that marketing idea. For <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my god. You guys, it's been a delightful conversation. I know I've kept you longer than I said I would, and I appreciate you. what? taking your time and no problem uh, you know again at the at the end of every um, podcast i love to acknowledge and appreciate and you know kind of that sharing the love thing and so josh ramon i just want to say thank you for everything you guys are doing and the many people that lives you have really you know touched and changed and those in the future that don't even know about you yet and that will Mm -hmm. and i just want to say thank you for your time and thank you for them and um Again, I really appreciate it. I had a delightful conversation, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's easy. Yeah, It's easy to have a delightful conversation with delightful people. Yeah. I think you're very delightful. It is. You Thank you. And I think as long as we keep that in mind, and then it is like love. It is all about love. And yep. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I can see it in your family, even if you're, you know, persistent, need, you know, a little poker, but you, you have changed your lives, and I think that's awesome, and. You're very lucky, Ramona, to have such a loving and wonderful son, and you, you're lucky to have yes. such a great mom. So, <laughs> thank you. I, I am very lucky. Uh, yeah, me all too. Right. All right, you all too. Right. You guys have a, a nice afternoon, and thank you again for all your time. Thank you.